lovely, lovely. Megan, Tracy, thank y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, y'all find 1 Corinthians in chapter 8, and Mike's going to pop me up a little, a little slide or two. You're going to have a little, few little slider, slides today. And I want to kind of uh, help you figure out where we are. We're changing directions a little bit, and if you'll, uh, you'll remember uh, where, we ha- where we had been uh, following through from the very beginning, I thought about that um, the outline. Mike, we have the outline up there, so she's pulling that up for you. So there we go. This is the outline of the book, the entire book. So you'll remember we spent the four, first four chapters, uh, and I think this is important as we go along that I remind you of this so that you can see where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I might even play that little video we started that gives you the whole context and everything about the book of First Corinthians. And so one of the things for our guests that I teach my, my people is about context and the importance of knowing the history behind the book and who it, to whom it was written and why it was written and all those things. And so for the first four chapters, Paul says uh, this is important because the divisions were in the church. They were infighting and all kinds of things are going on. They were putting preachers on pedestals and apostles on pedestals, and Paul was trying to help them understand, don't do that. This church, these, this book is so apropos for where we are. We are, if you're a believer, you're living in the days of an awful culture. The culture is pagan. We are not a Christian nation anymore, and it's about time we quit calling it that and get over it and realize we're in the fight of our life. And, and that's just where we are. And so Baptist churches and, and Church of God and Catholic and anybody else that wants to call themselves Christian needs to cut out the fighting. And so Paul dealt with the divisions in the church. Then Paul dealt with sexual immorality. And if you don't think we're living in a culture of sexual immorality, you just had to have been in a cave somewhere. I'm just, I love you, but that's, you've been in a convent somewhere. I mean, it is the most sexually lascivious culture we've ever lived in. And so now... Paul, uh, I, I, would, I would tell you, this is the scripture, and so the scripture is always right. But uh, chapter 8, you would probably be thinking once we get into it, you say, that should have been chapter 5. Uh, but the, you have to remember, the people knew the context. They asked the question of Paul. Do you understand? And so Paul now has given us these examples of all the divisions, the sexual immorality. And then Paul says, your witness is, is important. And so this entire book really is about our witness and this is the quintessential context chapter and and really verse number seven and I'm going to show you that uh, in in one of the chapters is so important that it helps us to understand verse number seven that other people don't know what we know they don't have the knowledge and so we have to be careful when we deal with unbelievers and even weak Christians the, the born-again new Christians as we bring them up in the faith. And I can promise you this part uh, uh, about chapter 8, 9, and 10 will give you the context. Now, we always are talking about, well, meat offered to idols. Well, Paul's been already talking about that, but we didn't know anything about it. So these chapters are going to overlap a little bit, and you're going to say, well, hey, didn't we already talk about this? Yes, but here's the context. Here's the original portion of this that Paul uses. All these other illustrations, he he funnels us out of that. And when I get to this, uh, to the place where it explains why this is so important, uh, I'm going to help you with it. So our subject really is, is very interesting. And I think that I can find uh, an interesting place for anybody to jump into. 
even if you're from a different denomination, you're going to understand this because it's the Bible, and you're going to understand that we all as Christians, if you're a born-again believer, no matter what denomination you come from, you understand that your witness for Jesus Christ is really the key thing. That's what we all have to do. Now, the Bible is a book that deals with a lot of different situations, and the Bible is really, if you'll understand me when I say this, it's still the Word of God. It's inspired. It's verbal, plenary, every word of it. But the Bible doesn't answer every question that we have. It is, it is a book about salvation. It has tons of history in it, but it's not a history book. It's not a science book. It's the Word of God that tries to reach man with the message of the gospel. Now, if it speaks on history or it speaks on science, it's never wrong, period. But that's not the goal. The goal is to redeem mankind and to teach us the history lesson uh, about Israel and how God chose them as his people. But we come to these places in the New Testament where what we have to do, you'll remember that through uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and I've been teaching you that there is a new law now. The law of the Spirit. When you're a born-again believer, you have the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And it doesn't matter if you can find a law or find a situation that doesn't, you just can't put a scripture verse on. You have the author living in you. And Paul tells us if you violate your own conscience, you're already condemned because you condemned yourself. You don't need the law to tell you don't do that. The Spirit's already told you that. And so now we're going to learn about today. Now, for instance, let me, let me help you. When we talk about adultery or murder or lying or stealing, the Scripture point blank gives us a passage of Scripture that says, that's wrong, you're not allowed to do that. We have the Ten Commandments. But now there are other are things that, we're, that are hotly debated that we talk about many times. And from different denomination to different person to different organizations, You'll, you'll have to decide. People will uh, argue about drinking and smoking and playing cards or dancing or wearing makeup or whether shorts are okay, uh, religious traditions of men, and many, many other preferences. But today what we have now is Romans 8, 1 and 2. Uh, Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, uh, but because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. And so I don't have to obey the Jewish uh, food laws anymore. I have the Spirit of God which lives in me. So, for instance, some of you listen to different styles of music. There are other people that would get in your car that say, you know, that would bother them. And so if you get in my car, most of the time it's on a, it's, it's on a Christian station. But I like a little country sometimes. Y'all pray for me, y'all right? I like the oldie goldies. I like the things from the 60s. I like the things from the 70s because that's when I was in high school. And so I love those things. So if you're a new believer and you got my car, I'd cut my radio down if it was on that station. See, I don't want to hinder you. Paul deals with that. And so whether it's coffee, you know, some people think drinking caffeine. Caffeine's a drug. Mormons are all up in the air about drinking, you know, the only thing they drink is Sprite. And you can't wear shorts and you can't wear makeup and uh, you, everybody's got to wear a dress or everybody's got to wear pants. There's a lot of things that the Scripture just doesn't simply come out. But the Bible is a book of principles. And so Paul in here is going to talk about uh, actually love and truth. And so if you have truth and you don't have love, you're just a boring orthodox person. If you have love but no truth, you're just a sappy Christian walking around loving everybody. 
but you don't have any basis or foundation in your life. Paul talks about truth and love. You'll remember when Brother Jerry took you through 1 John, we talked about the two basic principles that the whole 1 first, first, uh, first John, the whole book was written about truth and love. And so I've got the truth, and I've got my freedom in Christ, and I can do whatever I want to, but because I love you, if my behavior offends you, I won't do my favor. I won't do my behavior. Paul literally says at the end of this chapter, if eating meat offends you, I'll never eat meat again. I'll meet you, I'll meet you more than halfway. I want my witness to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus. Now, now just for instance, in, in Romans 8, 1, it says we're free from uh, all of the law, uh, how about Jewish dietary laws and, and those types of things that are debated? Pork. Can, can I just tell y'all, if eating bacon's a sin, I'm in trouble. Y'all all right? I, I'm going to eat bacon. But let me tell you, if I went off with a vegan and the vegan says that offends me, or if I went with an Orthodox Jew and I wanted to share Christ with him, we went to breakfast, I wouldn't order pork. You see, I got the truth. I'm free in Jesus. I can show you how to eat a pound of bacon. I mean, come on. But if it's offensive to my brother who I'm trying to reach, I won't do it. What, what is bacon to me? Nothing. I can give that up for a meal in order to share with my brother. Sometimes geography plays a big role in this. We're talking about meat offered to idols. And so you're going to ask me, Brother Jerry, what does meat have to offer to idols have to do with us? Well, we're going to learn something today, and I want you to say it with me so you don't get scared of this word. I want to teach you a little word. It's from D.A. Carson's book exegetical fallacies. I read this book when I was in seminary and over the last 40 years this has probably been one of the things that influenced my preaching more than anything else. The word is distantiation and you can hear within that word the word distance. Okay? Distantiation. Distance. And so here what we have to do is we have to take this issue of meat offered to idols and transport it to 2023. And we have to understand that okay uh, there's still some places you could probably go where they're offering up animal sacrifices. And so the issue in the culture in that day in Corinth was there was sacrifices going on. The believers in Corinth were going to the pagan temple and getting the meat that was offered to idols. And so some of them had their consciences hindered and hurt because they felt like, well, this was used in a pagan ceremony. And so Paul deals with the fact that there are no gods so there's no evil spirit in the meat and it wasn't like we have today we're eating meat for with every meal almost well in that day meat was very precious so when the meat was offered to the idols in the temple they would sell the meat or give the meat away or or whatever that worked the, the meat wasn't as veil as available meat was very precious and so the christians would go and get the meat well some people were saying well you shouldn't do that that's a sin and so Paul is trying to help them to understand there are some people that have freedom in Christ. They'll go eat the meat and don't care. See, they, they know there's no, there's no demons, there's no spirit in the meat. Well, then you have a younger Christian who says, that kind of gives me the creeps. So that person has hurt them. They've already condemned themselves if they eat it because their conscience hurts them. Now, we're going to take that thought, that principle that Paul says, some people there, Paul says, give up the eating of the meat from the temple so that you don't hurt your younger brother. Now, so your weaker brother. So here today, our behavior. So I don't mind wearing shorts. i got ugly legs, but it's okay. But if I went to a place, uh, there's some places that they, they play basketball and they play 
sports outside and different kinds of clothing. Well, if I went there and the rules of the church were you have to wear pants, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to wear pants because I don't want to offend the people where I'm going. Y'all all right? So we've brought that, we've brought that principle to this day and age. We, we covered the distance, the distantiation factor. We, we moved it up. And so you, you'll know that many people that come from France and other places, their, their kids were raised. They all, the, the kids drink wine. They all have wine with dinner. Today, alcohol is a big taboo here, or smoking, or use of tobacco products, or going to the movies, or uh, whether you uh, uh, eat pork or whatever. That there's rule. If you want rules, just get around a bunch of people that are born again, and they'll tell you all the rules and the do's and the don'ts. Amen? And, so we, and I just get so sick of it, I don't know what to do. But at the same time, Paul says, here's the truth, but operate in love. So if uh, I'm with a person who, uh, just to give you good, I'm, I'm trying to make this as practical as I can. So if I have someone with me as a recovering alcoholic, I've led them to the Lord, and we go to Ruby Tuesdays, and they want to seat us in the bar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak up for the younger brother and say, can we have a table, please? Why? Because he's going to get close to the bar. He's going to smell the alcohol. I may cause him to stumble by eating in there. Now, I can go and eat in the bar, and it doesn't bother me. Y'all all right? But they always want to sit me in the bar. Evidently, I look like a drunk. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they're always thinking, this joker's going to drink a lot of beer. Put him in there. <laughs> we'll pay payroll tonight. I guess as just they always want to do that. So. so let's read our chapter, and you'll see what I'm talking about, Okay. Chapter 8, verse 1. About food offered to idols. See, I wanted you to understand the context of what we're talking about. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge inflates with pride, but love builds up. You see there? Paul says the most important thing is your love, not your knowledge. And then he says, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know it, and he ought, he ought to know it. So Paul says, in other words, modern translation, you don't know as much as you think you know. You all right? But if anyone loves God, he is known of him. About eating food offered to idols. Then we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no God but one. So you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, for instance, I have a ring on my hand that's made of pure gold. It's my seminary ring, and I love that. But because the Israelites worshiped the golden calf, the calf wasn't the problem, even though it was made out of gold. So I'm not going to wear this gold ring because I think there's a demon in it and, it and this gold could be used as an idol. The gold's not the problem. It's what happened in the ceremony that was the problem. You with me? And so the, the, the meat offered to the idols, he says there's only one God. Amen? So for even if there are so-called gods, the Greek gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us, y'all come on right here now. Pastor wants to cut up right here. For us, there's only one God, the Father. Let me put it on record this morning. When we get there, I'm going to have some fun, but I want to tell you, there is but one God. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? What does the Word of God say? And then he said, all things are from him. We exist for him. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him, and we exist through him. Now, here's really the context. Here is everything that we're talking about. When you saw that outline a while ago, everything from 8, 9, and 10, and even from 4, 5, and 6, what he's saying right here, however, not everyone has this knowledge. See, I'm free in Christ. I've got freedom in Christ. I can do things that the young believer can't do and not get in any trouble. He doesn't have that knowledge yet. You all right? He doesn't have it. Now watch. 
In fact, some have been so used to idolatry up until now that when they eat food offered to an idol, their conscience being weak, they're defiled, they're destroyed. And so, see, I'm not going to put you, if you're with me, I'm not going to put you in the situation where you can sin or be drawn away from God's best for your life because I have freedom in Christ. I'm going to give up out of love. See, I know the truth. I've got knowledge. But Paul says not everybody has that knowledge. This is really the context of everything that Paul is saying in this book. He's saying to the Corinthians, many of you were saved out of the pagan culture, and you brought a lot of the practices with you into the church. And he's saying you got to get rid of those things because there's so many people out there, they don't have this knowledge. And, and my goal is to protect you. See, Baptists and, uh, over the years have been really been criticized by everybody because, you know, we, our, you know, our motto is I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang around with girls that do, you know. And we've been criticized for that. But let me tell you something. If, if Paul literally says, if your behavior causes a younger brother to sin, don't do that. It's just that simple. Do I love you? I've got the truth. I understand the Scripture. But the Scripture without love is not good. And love without Scripture is not good. We have to have truth and love. And so Paul says, beginning, you'll remember, now concerning. They had asked him, this is Perry Day, we talked about this last week, the Greek phrase. And so he says, this is, this is it. Paul says, they don't have the knowledge. And you know what the word knowledge is, the word gnosko, which means experiential knowledge. And let me explain that to you. Some people tell you, oh, I know Jesus, a great historical figure. That's knowledge. But this is experiential knowledge. If I ask David Mahan, do you know Jesus? He's going to give me a different answer. He doesn't just know him historically. He knows him. Amen? Amen? If I say, Floyd, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? He's going to give me an answer. Jesus is not a historical figure to him. He's his master and Lord. And that's what this word means. Jesus says, Paul says, mind your behavior because not everybody has this knowledge that we have. And so immediately upon being filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing that happens to you as a believer is God begins to try to change your life. And he begins to teach you. And he begins to get things out of your life. Some of you can't believe how I used to act when, before I got saved. And over the years, those things God has been working and chiseling and making and molding and pushing aside ever since the first day I asked Jesus into my heart. He's been working on me. And so concerning this liberty to eat idolatrous sacrifices, Paul states the obvious. He says, we all have knowledge, but your knowledge can puff up, but love will edify but love would have consideration. Love would be considered. What, what would it do to other people in, in verse 2? If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. Paul said, you don't, you don't, know, as much as you, you don't know as much as you think you know. The, the truly edified person has some idea of what he has already learned. Someone has defined knowledge as this. The process of passing from unconscious state of ignorance to a conscious state of ignorance. You all right? Did you hear that? You, you're unaware that you're ignorant, and then you, then you get smart and think, you know, in other words, let me put it to you this way. The more I learn, the more ignorant I become. The more I learn, the more I know I don't know. And so Paul says, be careful with that. The smarter I get the more aware of how ignorant that I actually am. In verse 3, the only way to have proper knowledge is to exercise love in that knowledge. 
Knowledge precedes love. You can't love something that you don't know anything about. And so Paul says in, in verse number 3, But if anyone loves God, <clears throat> he is known by him. You, you know God because you have knowledge of him. Now, listen, when you have a child, you have this child here, you have to have love and truth. And they're standing in front of the stove, and you say, don't touch the stove. Well, why? Because I told you so. That's not a good answer. Don't touch the stove because it will burn you and hurt you. Give them a reason why. You see, that's truth and love together. And so Paul says, if you know God and you love him, listen. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, it is he who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved of my father, and I also will love him. And he says, anyone who loves God will also love his children. And so I love you enough to correct my behavior. Wow. That's not even American anymore. I don't care. I just do whatever I want to. Paul's making a statement right here. Paul is laying the groundwork in these first three verses for what he's about to tell us. And he's already set the context, and he says the application is love for others controls my behavior. And how do you do that? We do that with our witness. In verse number four, about eating food offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there's only one God. This right here makes me just want to have a spell. If there are no other gods... They possess no power. Many Christians I know live in fear because of the boogeyman and evil this and evil that. And there's a demon under every rock. And they're always going around talking. Listen, there are no false gods. There's only one God. Put your faith and trust in him and keep rolling, baby. Amen. And don't worry about the other stuff. And don't talk to the devil. And don't curse demons. Just pray to the Lord and don't talk to people. That's how Adam and Eve got in trouble. They were talking to the snake. The Christian has that much knowledge to understand that meat does not have any power. It doesn't have a false God in it. And I want to tell you something. All false doctrine in the world can be dealt with with simple common sense. You, you cannot, I mean, if you just had common sense, one of the biggest rivers in the world, the Ganges River, that one man is taking a bath, another man's brushing his teeth, Another one's being baptized for salvation, and someone else is doing his business all in the same river. You have better sense than that. That nasty, polluted Ganges River has no power to save. None whatsoever. Common sense. A man has a piece of wood. He cuts it up. He burns, burns up some wood, cooks his dinner on it, and then makes an idol out of the same wood and bows down and says, You're my God. Here's what the Bible says. This is what the Lord says. There is no God other than me. And all who make idols are nothing. And these things they are, they are, that are treasured, they're worthless. And those who speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their shame. Half of the wood he burns in the flame and prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and he eats it and he's full. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I'm warm. I see the fire. And from the rest, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it, and he worships it. Save me. You are my god. They know nothing. They understand nothing. 
Their eyes are plastered over so that they cannot see, and their minds are closed so that they cannot hear. Simple common sense. You look a bit, a little bit further over in uh, chapter 10, Paul says, I speak to sensible people. Sometimes I wonder if I'm talking to sensible people. You know, we have people today, you say, Brother Jerry, does this word of God right here apply to us? We have boneheads, excuse me, we have people in Washington, D.C. who think a man can be a woman. They think a man can have a baby. They, have, they think a man can nurse a child. That is ridiculous. It's absolutely asinine. When are some of these people going to stand up and say, this is ungodly, it's lasciviousness, and it's absolute ridiculousness? You can't identify as anything but what you were born as. So get over it. That's the truth. In verse number 5, Paul speaks about the so-called gods that they had. Paul said, there's no gods. He said, you don't have any for Even if there are some so-called gods, whether they're in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords. He says, the infidels' gods. Paul describes the infidels' gods. Don't know where God lives. Can I ask you a question? Where does God live? What did the Scripture say? Well, they don't even know where their gods live. He talks about in Psalm 115. He says, why do the nations rage? Where's their God? Our God's in heaven. He does whatever pleases them. But their idols are silver and gold made with the hands of men. They have mouths, but they can't speak. Eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They got noses, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. Can I ask you a question? Where does your God live? Don't answer that question too quickly. That's a great answer, Albert. Where else does he live? He lives in my heart. I know where he's at. He's not in a stick. He's not in a rock. He's not in the stars. He's the keeper of the stars. <laughs> Can't speak. Has God said anything to you this morning? God spoke to you today? Their gods can't speak. Eyes they can't see. Does Elohim see you? Elohim see you? Does Jehovah see you? Does Adonai see you? Has he spoken to you today? Got ears he can't hear. Does Jehovah hear what you say? We've prayed to him this morning. We sang to him this morning. And I pray in heaven that the angels are singing with us and the sweet-smelling Savior of our worship is going into glory. I hope the Bible says that he keeps my prayers. He keeps my tears in a bottle. My God's alive. There's only one God. Hands that can't feel. Has Jesus touched you this morning? Have you felt it in your heart? There's only one God. Look at verse 6. Yet for us, there's one God the Father. <laughs> Feet can't walk. God ever led you anywhere? You're in a valley this morning? You're climbing a mountain? Going down the mountain? Don't know which way to go. Don't know what job to take. Don't know what boy to date. Don't know what bill to pay first. Follow your God. He's got feet. Their gods die. What? Is your God eternal? Oh, my God's eternal. My God is there. He's always there. In verse 6, here's some facts for us. There's only one God, verse 6 says. That God created everything. We live due to Him. We exist because of Him. Our existence is for Him and for His glory. And all things are through Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In Hebrews, in chapter 1, in verses 1 through 4, it says that He is the Son of God. He's the source of creation. He's the sustainer of creation. He's the Savior. He's the sovereign of all. And He is superior to everyone. <laughs> Lord, I'm up in Him by myself. John 1, 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word. Word was with God and the Word was God. I was listening to a radio, local radio station this week and uh, riding down the road and the verse of the day was John 1.1. And a uh, little young lady was just babbling on. Don't babble about the scripture. John 1.1 is one of the greatest passages in all the Bible. It talks about the deity of the Son of God. It talks about the eternal nature of the Son of God. He was there in the beginning and there was no beginning. And he'll be here when the beginning is gone and the end is gone and he's still God. He's eternal. And she was just talking on and on and on, just trying to be real sappy. She had a lot of love and I understand what she was doing. I'm not being critical. But I'm saying if you're going to, comment, you're going to give commentary on the Word of God, know what you're talking about. She said, Jesus stepped out of eternity and came to our world. And I want to tell you, Jesus never stepped out of eternity. You just destroyed the deity of Jesus Christ. He stepped out of heaven and came to earth, but he's always been eternal. That's what the verse says. There's one God. He's not my best friend. He's not my good buddy. He's not the man upstairs. He's the sovereign source superior to all gods. Y'all all right? I was just wondering if y'all was here with me this morning. Verse 7, Paul turns this to application. Paul says, he turns it to application. Now, look at me. Everybody look at me. All God's children, look at pastor, can I ask you a question. I want you to think about this now. I want to answer too quickly. I want to ask you this. Do you, do you with all of your heart this morning, do you want spiritual knowledge that makes a difference? You do? All right, read with me. However, not everyone has this knowledge. In fact, some have been so used to idolatry up until now, that when they eat food offered to idols, their consciences being weak is destroyed. I'm, I'm asking you with all my heart, would you be willing with superior knowledge to use love and curb your behavior to help those who do not have the knowledge that you have? That's what this is about. We've been talking about honoring God with our bodies. This morning we're talking about honoring God with our witness. Not everybody has that knowledge. You see, you might be able to go to the movies and not bother you. But I'm telling you, when I got saved, I didn't go to, listen, you, you're going to say, well, boy, you're just weird, Brother Jerry. I didn't go to movies, didn't listen to secular music. Listen to this. I didn't even date anymore. I wanted to know Jesus and who he was, and that new relationship I had in Christ was so important to me that I did not want to get sidetracked and fight the lust of dating. See, I came out of the world. I came out of the culture. I done dated loose women. I knew what that was about. I wanted to be close to Jesus. That's just weird. Of course it's weird because that's what the culture would say. I've been talking to you. Paul said there's some men that were born eunuchs and some were made that way. They sacrificed everything. 
posterity, family life, everything for the cause of Jesus Christ. We don't understand that kind of sacrifice today. Now, I, I didn't stay that way. I grew in the Lord, and I began to date Christian women. You know what was disappointing? Many of them weren't very different from the girls I dated out in the world. Paul says, we can honor God with our witness. Here's some types of people. Listen, as far as knowledge goes, those who don't know God and don't care. People like that. Those who do not know God and they're ignorant of who God is. Those who think that they know God. Those who do not know God but desire to know God. See, this is why our witness is important. Those who truly do know God. Many of you here know God. But then there are those who know God and have a great knowledge of God. I want to know why the people that know God don't have a great knowledge of God. I want to know why so many Baptists who claim we're the greatest denomination in the history of man doesn't even know their Bible. They don't read it every day, but I can promise you they're on Facebook every day. They're on their iPhone every day. I talked to somebody yesterday. They were just talking, 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 talking away, and they was on their iPhone. I was like... And I was sitting there talking. I said, the house is on fire. There's a man standing at the door with a gun. There's a bear in the driveway. Not a clue. Are you that addicted to that thing? Set that joker down once in a while. Hey, the sun's coming up and going down. You all right? My new neighbors moved in behind me. They got kids. You ain't believe this. Guess what their kids do? And I, I love them. She is the children's minister at 1025. And I was so surprised at what their kids were doing. They're playing in the backyard. Can you believe that? Those kids are out in that yard every day throwing baseball, football, and they have a dog, and they play with their dog and shoot basketball in the heat outside. I cannot believe that. Can you believe that? Those crazy kids. Verse 8 and 9. I thank God for this verse. Watch. Verse 8 and 9. Food will not make you or make us acceptable to God. We're not inferior if we don't, if we don't eat, and we're not better if we do eat. But be careful that this right of yours is in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. You know what Paul says? If you want to wear shorts, wear shorts. Kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not meat and wine. You, some people think because they don't do certain things, they're holier than everybody else. But I got news for you. Somebody read the book for me. It's right there. If you drink tea with caffeine in it, it's not going to hurt you. If you drink 100 glasses a day, you're probably going to be wired out a little bit. You drinking eight Cokes a day, you got a problem. See, that's your Christian liberty. You can do that. All things are lawful to me, but not all things are, are good for me. Y'all all right? If you want to wear makeup, wear your makeup. Lord knows I need a little bit of stuff in my hair. This preacher hair will stand straight up if I don't comb it down and spray it. Y'all all right? Am I less spiritual because I fix my hair? I used to have a man used to make fun of me because my hair was in place all the time. I said, have you looked in the mirror? It looked like a bunch of rats got out of your head. I'll loan you some hairspray. Y'all all right? A little bit of rouge not going to hurt a thing. Y'all all right? 
you wear shorts, if you go to the movies, if you play cards. I had a professor, but now listen, Paul says, be careful. He said, if you don't or you do, it's not any better or any worse. I had a professor that his mother was old school. They, you, you know, some people now, some of you young people, you're not going to understand this. Just, we didn't have iPhones and all that stuff. All we had was a Sunday newspaper and cartoons. Y'all all right? And Dr. Easley would tell me, say, his mother would come to visit. They'd have to hide the newspaper. They weren't allowed to read the newspaper. They weren't allowed to play cards. And you, but there was a lot of people. Sunday was the Lord's Day. This was back when Sunday was the Lord's Day. Everything closed. If you didn't have milk and bread on Saturday, you didn't have milk and bread because everything closed. Now they're selling liquor on Sunday morning. <laughs> so uh, you didn't read the cartoons. If you read anything, it had to be the Bible. Y'all, y'all all right? And so... And Paul, Paul is saying, look, if you read the newspaper, Paul said, if you do these things, that's, le- that's legalism. And so I've, I've had, you know, give the Lord his day and do the right thing. But thank God for these verses as we, as we go through this. And so, you know, is it okay to eat bacon, ham, and sausage? I, I'm just going to eat the bacon. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Romans 14, listen, if you want to know how to apply this to your life, we've, I've preached all this, we've dealt with it, but Romans 14 is the key to this. And he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace. We've got to get along. Have you ever been in a church where somebody was always going around correcting everybody's behavior, and you shouldn't be doing that, and you shouldn't be doing that, and you shouldn't be doing that? And here's the problem, that's self-righteousness. You've created your own standard of righteousness. Because I promise you, you can find something in my life. You'd say, Brother Jerry, you shouldn't be doing that. But I'd say, let me, let me talk to you about your life. And I can promise you as a pastor, I've been doing this for 40 years, I can eat you alive. I can find harmful things in everybody's life. I could eat you up. But it's not my call to do that. My call is to walk with Jesus and show you the example in truth and in love. Amen? Uh, Romans 15, 1 through 3 says, we who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for the good of building him up. First Corinthians 6, I just preached this. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. First Corinthians 20 is, the, is, is right along with 8-7. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. So I'm to honor God with my body because of my witness. Look in verse 10 and 11. Here is how he, Paul starting to land the plane. For if someone sees you, the one who has this knowledge, you're okay. You've got freedom in Christ. But he sees you dining in an idol's temple. Won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? Then the weak person, the brother for whom Christ died, is ruined by your knowledge. That's the essence of it. So I don't mind. Paul says, listen, if, if eating meat offered to idols is okay with you and it doesn't bother you, that's fine. Go get the meat. But don't go in the temple and worship with them. Boy, that's a big word I just gave you right there. See, you, see I'm just telling you, I, I don't really watch movies. It's not because I'm trying to be holy. It's I just, I'm just not a big movie person. But if you saw me going into the cinema... And, and I went in a certain place. If there was ten people that saw me go in to watch that movie, five of them would say, that's inappropriate for the pastor to go and watch that movie. Guarantee you it would happen. So I've caused my brother to sin. So if I wanted to watch a movie, guess what I would do? I'd watch it at home. See? 
But you have to judge. There's some people now today going in temples they shouldn't ought to be going in. You know what I'm talking about. The Bible says, if I see you going in another temple, see, that's why we don't call this a temple, because it's not the temple. This is the sanctuary. You see, there's no Ark of the Covenant here. The temple is in Jerusalem. And the temple they have now is not a real temple. It's a replica because there's no Ark of the Covenant there. The old temple had the Ark there. It had the mercy seat where the sacrifices were made. Guess where the temple is today? It's sitting in here with me. You're the temple. And you're the boss of that temple with the Holy Spirit living in you, deciding what you can and can't do. You all right? And listen... People say, Brother Jerry, you can't touch on this. Yes, I can touch on it. I don't care what's in your life, and I don't care where you're going and what you're doing. If it causes your brother to stumble, don't do it. You say, Brother Jerry, do you have scripture for that? Well, I could probably find some. Look, verse 12. Now, when you sin like this against the brother, you wound Wound here means to strike or to hit or slap. You wound their weak conscience and you're sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to fall, I will never eat meat again so that I won't cause my brother to fall. Whatever I do, you know, in Romans, Paul says this. See, some of you say, well, Brother Jerry, you're just telling me to hide my behavior. Nope. Biblically, Romans 14, he says, whatever a man allows in his life, keep that between you and God. You're not hiding anything. You're protecting your brother. Now listen to me. Can I just make, let me just say this. I love you with all my heart, but let me tell you something. You don't have to post everything you do on social media. It's a sickness. And some people kill their witness they have freedom in Christ. I don't, it's up to you what you do and what you, where you go and what you wear and all those kinds of things. But, man, there's some people that will, I, I'm looking at things that I see online, and I'm like, your daughter went to the prom, and you dressed her like a prostitute and put her online, and you're proud of it. I just want to say as the man of God in this place, and, and don't ask me to apologize, you ought to be ashamed as a parent. You don't have to post everything that you're doing everywhere you went it's okay to post pictures. I went to the beach, and here we are. My family, we love it. But, you know, the other areas of your life, the things you do that are private in your family, keep that to yourself. The Bible says keep that to yourself because there are younger brothers out there, and they're watching what you do. It's very important to protect your witness. Listen, the, the word here, he, he, Paul says, don't wound them, don't hurt them. You'll ruin them. The word is scandalizo. We get our word scandal from that. You can cause a scandal in somebody else's life by your behavior. You, you have some responsibility. You say, well, you know, everybody's got the Holy Spirit in them. They're saved. They can do whatever they want to. No, you're responsible. Charles Barkley from the NBA, who is really brash and irresponsible with his words and his actions many times, once said, I'm not your kid's role model. Well, I got news for Mr. Barkley, and I got news to all my Christian friends. This is true in the spiritual realm and in the secular realm. What kind of celebrity or coach, sports figure, TV personality, preacher, 
policeman, fireman, parent, leader is not a role model. Could you tell me that? I'm not responsible for your kids. Human decency says, now I'm telling you, we were at a golf tournament, and I had some, some ladies with me, and these young boys came right up behind us, just stood behind them, and I mean, you ain't never heard the filthy language that came out of their mouth. Right there behind these ladies. I mean, taking God's name in vain, all of the four-letter words you can imagine, and y'all know how I am. I'm just so passive. I just sat there and prayed and <laughs> let that go for a while. And I turned around and I said, fellas, there's ladies right here with me and there's children everywhere. So if you're going to talk like that, go somewhere else. Y'all all right? Y'all all right? Yeah. And so, oh, we're sorry. They didn't stay long. But you know what? The way you talk to people, the way you say things, what you do, how many times? I've done it. I'm your pastor, but I've confessed this sin right before you, and I've done it before God. That I pop off real quick and look over there. I got onto somebody one day at the grocery store, and I was justified in doing it, but I did it the wrong way. And I looked up, and somebody, one of my church members, said, Hey, bro, Jerry. <laughs> was like wow brother jerry got to do a better job my witness and so the scandalizo you know the scripture says this revelation 2 14 through 16 nevertheless i have a few things against you talking to one of the churches you have people there who hold to the teachings of balaam and they taught balak to entice the israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols see paul said you can eat the food sacrificed to idols but it was used to draw somebody down Right? And Luke 17, Jesus said to his disciples, and, and you may have never seen one of these, but I want you to see this. And Mike, if you can get our slide up with, the, with the, the millstone. Jesus said, these things cause people to sin and they're bound to come, but woe to the person through whom they do come. It'd be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck. Now, you may have read that passage, you never knew what a millstone was. But I love this little place right up here on 138, right before you come into Monroe. There, there's a millstone out by the road there, by the person's gate. You may not know what that is, but you can see the little, you see the little slits in that. And they would have two rocks, and they'd have one on the bottom and one on the top. And they would be separated by a certain amount. And they would put the grain on top of that. And then, the, then the, the big donkey or ox would turn it, and it would grind the grain. That's how they grind their grain, the millstone. It was a stone that was used in the mill. But how would you like to have that? Jesus said, if you cause the little ones to stumble, you'd be better off taking that right there and tying it around your neck and get thrown in the lake. Can I just tell you a prayer that I've prayed? And I'm done. I have literally prayed this prayer. Lord, before I fail miserably enough to hurt my little babies and my sheep, in your name, would you take me out of this world? Please, Lord, don't let me fail so badly that I would hurt those around me that love you. Amen? Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name this morning.